Well, today the theme is about our risen Savior. It's, it's about really the love that uh, was shown through Jesus Christ, God's love for you, God's love for me. And what I want to talk about is uh, this love in, in a couple of components here. First, the journey to the cross. For the last seven weeks, we have been in a time called Lent. And it's a time of preparation for today. And through that time, part of what I've been doing is kind of giving a chronology of each day leading up to the cross. I'd like to kind of just go back just a little bit and pick up starting at Thursday and give you just a little framework here that'll set us up for the message today. If we look at Thursday, we find that Jesus uh, sent Peter and John to prepare for uh, the, the, the Passover. In fact, that's at this Passover is when Jesus, uh, it was just before his crucifixion, uh, took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Took the, the, the wine and these were components of Passover, but it was taking on a whole new meaning. This is uh, my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is where the uh, very first Lord's Supper began. And then after dinner, they went up to the Mount of Olives. It's called Gethsemane. And this is where Jesus was arrested. Judas had betrayed him. And this is when he was arrested. If we go on, you can see here on this slide, the n- number one and number two really are where the upper room was in, in relation to the, the Garden of Gethsemane and where they had uh, those two things. And, uh, and then it moves into the next. And that's where we find Friday. Jesus is incarcerated. He's, in, he's, he's being held. Uh, the Sanhedrin have met. They have condemned Jesus to death. And then he's brought before Pilate. And then Pilate goes, well, let's send him. And so he's brought before Herod. And then Herod sends him back to Pilate. And Pilate says, well, I don't see any, anything wrong with this man. And, and he tries to release, uh, give them an option of releasing Jesus. And actually they let Barabbas be released. And Jesus was crucified. I know most of us know that it was, it came at the end of Roman soldiers whipping and beating him. And I don't know if you've seen the passion of Christ. It's pretty, uh, terrible that what our Lord cook and we, we might think, so what, what does all this mean? We're going to talk about that in just a minute, just to give you an idea that number six up in the upper left-hand corner of your screen is Golgotha. It's a it's the, 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 the skull. I, I've stood there and it is the formation of the rock really does look like a skull. And then it says that he died. After he was taken off the cross, they moved him into a tomb. It was a place from Joseph Arimathea's tomb. And then Saturday he rests again. Number seven, here he is resting the devil thinks he's won. The world uh, that did not know Christ or anything about him thought it's over. This prophet is, is done. And, but we know through the Bible and through teaching that on the cross, Jesus died in our place, died for our sins. We know that Jesus entered into pain and into shame. You see, he was a, he was not, uh, he should not have been punished the way he was. The cross, and, and let me just, let me just pull this up for you. This thing right here was a, was a, a symbol of torture and pain. It was the worst kind of death. It was the punishment for the people that needed to be punished. And he went to the cross for you and I. One thing that we know that happened at the cross, he also took the full weight of evil took it upon himself. Why? To break its back, to break the grip that it would have on anybody that believed in him, anybody that was a follower of Christ, that the power of evil would be 
severed from taking control of our lives. Hmm. I want you to think about something. And at the end of the service, we're going to do something with this cross. But I want you to look at this cross. Everybody hold your cross up if you got one. Just, just want to make it an interactive here. I want you to think about all the stuff of you that's not any good, all the, the, the shame and the guilt, all of the, the wrongs that you've ever done, all the things that we, you, you would have, be ashamed of if everybody, if I could put it up on screen, and, and, and just imagine it being nailed to the cross. Because that's what Jesus did for you and I. And I know that even today, we may come and say, well, I've got most of it over there, but I'm holding on to this shame. I'm holding on. You need to put it on the cross. That's what Christ died for, is for all. Amen? Well, we thought it was over. But then Sunday came. And I've got a video to... I believe it's a representation. It would be something that I, maybe I would even experience if I were standing there going through the same things. But join me as we watch this video. It was quiet when we approached the tomb. Days before, there was noise wherever we went. Crowds cheering, sometimes yelling. But now in front of his tomb... I had gathered all my spices and oils intending to anoint the body. But when I got there, he was gone. Jesus changed my life. Ever since the day that I met him in Galilee, he rescued And I followed him ever since, all the way to his death. But there was the tomb, and it was empty. My heart broke into a thousand pieces. I turned, and there was a gardener, and I asked him if he knew where they had taken Jesus' body. But I recognized. It was my Lord. He taught us that his sheep would recognize his voice, and I knew him. I knew him the minute he said my name. I dropped to my knees. What else could I do but cling to him? I never wanted to let him out of my sight. But no, he had different plans for me. He wanted me to let the others know about the good news. I ran as fast as my legs would carry me, shouting like an excited child. He did it! He did it! He, he really did it! Yes. <laughs> to think that I had come to an anoint a dead man. And I left with proof that he is the overcomer of everything. I, all of us, can never beat fear, 
sorrow, sin, definitely not death. I say that he is. I know who he is. Oh, I know who he is. He said that he would rise. And he most certainly is risen. He is the Savior. He is. He is the one true God. <laughs> So I want you to do something with me. I want you to just shout out like it's the first Sunday you ever realized the tomb was empty, and that is Jesus is alive. Say it out loud with me. Jesus is alive. He is risen indeed, hasn't he? Around the world, that shout, that truth has gone forth. And I have to tell you that the resurrection changed everything. There's a before and there's an after. In your life, there was a before Jesus entered in and there was an after because everything changes. We were talking about this love, this love that was expressed by our Heavenly Father who loved you so much that He sent His only Son. He came as a baby. Grew up just like you and I, but he was sinless. Grew up until the age of about 30, entered into a public ministry, but about three years later, he, through his love, went to the cross. I want to talk the rest of the service about our mess. How many of you have ever made a mess? Man, I, some people told me I was a mess, okay? I don't know about you. I want to read you first about an oatmeal story. Is that all right, just oatmeal? How many know how good oatmeal is? Anybody have oatmeal this morning? All right, three of you, two at one, okay. And this could be a story that would have fit into our home when we had four children living at home. But it says a young father woke up when he heard the crash. Not a loud crash, but crash nonetheless. Before he could peel himself out of the bed, he, he heard the pitter-patter of little feet running up the stairs. Dad, his little five-year-old said in her most innocent sweet voice, will you make us breakfast? Um, sure, but what just happened? Well, we were starving and so we tried to make ourselves some oatmeal. He guessed the rest. Jane and her older brother Jonah had successfully gotten the oatmeal bowl down, filled it with water and put it in the microwave, but they had misjudged how hot the bowl would be when, it, when the oatmeal was ready. So they dropped the hot bowl like any person would do out of a reflex. See, he wasn't mad about the bowl because it was of no value. It was old and inexpensive, but he was puzzled. They tried to clean up the mess with the oatmeal and the broken pottery with a mop, mom's mop, which now was a mess. And he said, why didn't you guys just ask for help? Why, why didn't you ask? Because I would have come and helped you. And I thought about that story, and I, I thought about how many times that I get into a mess, but I don't want to ask for help. 
I don't know about you. I, 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 there have been many times in my life that, that I de- either just didn't, I was a little embarrassed maybe that I didn't know how to work my way out of the situation or that I needed something, but, but I wouldn't ask. I, I don't know about you. There's times that I wouldn't even ask for directions when I was lost. At least my wife said we were lost. But think about that. I, I want to talk about uh, a, 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 another uh, person's life. You know, sometimes when we, we, we take an oatmeal story or we take another, it's good to go back to the Bible. And I like to talk about John, out of John, Peter's story. John chapter 21 is where we're going to focus in on. But in Peter's story, I don't know if you know much about Peter, but I'd like to introduce you to him. And that is, he was the son uh, was named Simon, son of uh, Jonah and John, and he was a fisherman in, in Bethsaida. And that projector is having trouble, so look over there. Uh, he was married, by the way. Uh, he, his first, he was the first disciple of Jesus, the very first one. He became close as friends, became very close to Jesus as a friend. In fact, in his journeys with Jesus, Jesus changed his name to Cephas, which means rock. We know him as Peter. Peter, I don't know about you, I, I, I was studying him, and I sometimes in Bible characters I see myself, I don't know if you do. So here, here's these enthusiastic, he's strong-willed, my wife wanted me to leave that one in. Impulsive, sometimes a little brash, I don't know if you know anybody like that. Impetuous means he kind of, it was kind of like saying ready, fire, aim. He, he would jump into things very quickly. See, he was the one that stepped out of the boat and walked on water and experienced things without thinking much about it. He, he was the, what, the one that uh, drew his sword in the garden and cut the ear off the soldier. Remember that? Sometimes I've done that. How many times have you said, I should have left that here because I was trying to def- you know, take care of something? And he boasted. He, he had a, a confidence. And he boasted of that he would never forsake his faith. His belief in Jesus. He even saw miracles. He, 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 was, uh, he, he was able to walk with the Lord, and yet when his faith was being challenged in the marketplace, he denied him three times. Not just once, not twice, but three times. That number is kind of important. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But think about that. Here it is, Sunday. It's after the, uh, you know, we know the story, but they, 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 they come to the tomb. They've heard that the tomb may be empty. So here's he and John, this is Peter and, and John, they're running to the tomb. And as John begins to write in this chapter, he writes that the tomb's in, empty and he begins to bring out some details about the linen and, and that it's empty. But there's not a lot of discuss, uh, things written about Peter. Little said, have you ever thought about what was going on in Peter? Helps me understand sometimes what I feel or think. See, I believe if I uh, am in one of those places where I've had a failure or, or a mishap or made a mess and it's unresolved, I, I know for me that I begin to, to feel maybe what Peter was feeling. I, I feel kind of lost. I, I don't have as much brightness in, in my, my outlook. I, I, I feel a little disappointed. Maybe some guilt, maybe some shame, depending on what it is. And like Peter, I many times will retreat. How many know what it means to retreat? Because you're just not, you're not all ready. We all do. In fact, we find in chapter 21, verse 3, that Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. (laughs) 
How many of y'all ever retreated to fishing because things weren't so smooth elsewhere? Some of you fishermen know what I'm, or I'm going hunting, or I'm going to get on the tractor and plow, or whatever your thing is, brush hog, you know. But here's Peter. Remember his roots. He's, he was a fisherman. So he's kind of, you know, everybody else, in, and he's kind of amongst the disciples, but he's just really not plugged in like he had been. And you don't hear a lot of being written by him by John. So he says, I'm going fishing, but he has friends and they go with him. It says that they fished all night and caught nothing. So many times when I'm retreating, many times pulling back from the Lord, even when I pull back into familiar things, I don't get the reward I was looking for. I don't find peace. Hmm. wonder what Peter was thinking. What I do know as we continue in this scripture is that Jesus' love pursued Peter. He pursued, he, he went and met Peter right where he was at. And that's what the Lord does for us today. So many people say, well, I, I've got to go to church or I've got to go to a certain church or I've got to behave a certain way and I, 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 I need to dress a certain way. Oh, I've got to get some things cleaned up first. Before. No, he says, I'll meet you wherever you're at. And it can be outside of a church. It could be when you're on your tractor or in a fishing boat. Verse four says, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet they didn't know that was him. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Now, I don't know about you. I can be caught up in my frustration. I can be caught up in feeling depressed and struggling with some things. And Jesus can be in my midst and I don't see him. Has that ever happened to you? And yet he pursued him. Jesus said to them, do you have any fish? They said, no. He goes on to say, well, hey, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, I don't know about you. I'm sure in my, uh, hey, wait a minute. We're the professional fishermen. We've been out here all night. What's the deal? And so, but they, they trusted. And so they casted the net, cast their nets that way. And they had such a blessing happened through obedience and that was too much fish. You can be caught up in a bad situation. You can be in a, having a mess. Maybe you're having an oatmeal moment. And if you hear Jesus at all, if you hear encouragement at all, sometimes Jesus is connected to it. And if you'll trust him and obey what he's saying, many times there's a great, great blessing. In fact, it's interesting. So the blessing happened. He still was clueless until the next verse. And the disciple who loved Jesus said, Peter. Well, I don't know if he went that way or this way. Okay. Did y'all catch that? I don't, okay. That wasn't any good. But Peter, it's the Lord. I love it when we're hanging around quality people, people that know the Lord, because we can get in a funk. We can get in a bad place. And when we're other people are even going fishing with us, they may be able to identify a move of God or a presence of God. And they're good to say, hey, this was a God moment. Don't miss it. That's why it's good to come to church. Because I don't know about you, I come here some days and I'm just not the brightest as I can be. And I get around you all. <laughs> And I get cheered up. I get pointed up. Peter got so excited. He put his, wrapped himself back up. They were kind of fishing, unlike most of us, without much on. And, they're, and so he saw, and he dove in. 
The moment he realized from his place of retreat, this place of trying to get away from it all, I just don't want to deal with it right now. As soon as he realized that God had pursued him, he jumped in and moved himself towards him as fast as he could. See, the resurrection changes everything. And it it changed the way, it in fact changes the way in which Jesus called Peter. And let me just explain that to you. You know, there was the, 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 the very first half of that, you know, and, and we are, we're, it was when Jesus first called Peter, it was about a purpose. He said, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And sometimes we come into a church or come into our faith thinking we got to work for God and do good things. And, and, and that was really before the resurrection. That's kind of what the church was about. But it's interesting to note in scripture that this time, on this side of the resurrection, he talks to him as, and it's about a person. Peter, do you love me? You've worked for me, you followed me, you've been a disciple of mine, but do you love me? Do you see the difference? And it turns into... He asked actually three times. Remember the three times he denied him? It's interesting that he would say three times, do you love me? The question is about, do you love him? And I think that same question we find for ourselves today. Oh, I know God has got a purpose for me. And oh, I I know he's got a purpose on this world. And I believe in a heavenly father. But do you love me? See, this is love. When we talk about The love of the Father is when someone would go to a cross, would take your sin upon himself, would would allow himself to be beaten, to pay for a price. Did you realize this is a death sentence that we all had prior to Jesus in our lives? Do you all realize that? It's going to be like saying, you look like you're holding that in front of the devil or something. Okay. But, But think about it. All your sin, your shame, all that you've ever done and will do, he took it upon himself. He, he took it upon himself because he loved you so much. We know that, that even when we retreat in shame, Jesus will never stop chasing us. Even when we what, even try to get away, he'll never let us go because he loves you so much. See, he knew you before you ever pursued him, Bible says. And can I tell you that his kind of love This kind of love changes everything when you fall in love with him and accept his love. See, changed. (laughs) Jesus about, he brings change when we embrace him. He he met what? Jesus met Peter where he was at. He he forgave Peter. He restored Peter. He, he, what? He he did what? He, He changed the rest of his life. I don't know where you're at today, but you were designed for something that only he can make happen through restoring your life. We find that Peter shepherded and, and, and began to teach people about forgiveness and being free. And that led to a thing called the church. You know, he, they build a, the church upon the rock. We, we find that. And, and we find that there's this deep love that he began to have. And once he, as he embraced that, what it just anchored him through difficult times. And I really don't know where you might be. But I want to bring to your awareness that Jesus is pursuing you, even today. He wants to free you up. 
We say sin. We don't do, use that word much in our world nowadays. But sin is anything that's not honoring to God, the things of God, the, thing, the ways of God. And we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even me, the knucklehead. I'm the head knucklehead, okay? But he wants to free us of that. What is he freeing us of? He's, he's freeing us from the power that once had my life bound up and I couldn't get away from it. I was compelled. I was, I was moved into things and, and remained in habits that I couldn't break. But when I said yes to Jesus at age 25, he set me free of that. I still had to work through some stuff. But the bill that's inside this flesh unit and these, some of these bad habits, he set free. And he gave me a helper to help me through and anchor my life too. And he also took me off the death sentence. I want you to think about this just for a minute. Here's our life and all the things. And if we say yes to him, he takes the blood that is shed for us and it pays that debt that says you're to die and not be with the heavenly father the rest of your life. And when that is covered by the blood, we sing those songs, some of the old ones, covered by the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? He covers us. And the reason that cross is very little and what I'd like you to do is every time you see a cross is not see death, but see that life came from that. That you have life and you can't see when God covers the sin and that's what he wants to do for all of us. The problem is we like to kind of hold on to a piece and we forget that he's covered it. And we go back to the power and control that the devil and the evil side want. But when we get set free, he says you're free indeed. Free indeed. Question is, what about you? What about you this morning? Where are you at this morning? Are you fishing out on the fishing boat? Have you pulled back a little bit in your heart because things have been a mess lately? Are you having an oatmeal moment? (laughs) I can just tell you that the Lord looks at you and loves you. And he says, things are different if you come to me. I'm here and I stand ready. Actually, it says I stand at the door and knock. All you have to do is open the door and I'll come into your heart. Wouldn't be an Easter unless I gave people the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I don't mean the purpose side of Jesus, but the personal side of Jesus, the person of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you say, I don't know if I can for sure say that all my sins are forgiven. I'm not sure if I can say that what was put on the cross set me free and that I'm living in a a, a way of life that has a helper and I'm not perfected yet and I'm still struggling with some things, but I have a different compass heading and I'm going in the right direction. If you can't say that, and especially if you can't say if you die today, that you wouldn't step into heaven for the rest of your life, then today's the day to, to receive and to say, yes, I believe in this Jesus who came and died, was buried, but on the third day rose. And it says, if whoever believes in me, in their heart, and professes with their mouth, is saved, saved, covered up, set free. Let's all stand. I'm going to offer a prayer and then we're going to actually have a baptism and we'll talk about that in just a second. But I want you to do this. The reason we're standing is part of it's just to give you a break off your blessed assurance. 
But seriously, what a beautiful, look around, what a beautiful body of Christ. We are the body. And I can just tell you, if you're here this morning, you're a guest and you're going, wow, this is crazy. You know, I hadn't really put it down to this point. Can I say that God knew you would be here in this moment? And God knows your heart. He knows where you're at. He knows if you're fishing or not, you're in the fishing boat, pulled away or pressing in. He's here. He's with you. And all you have to do is say yes. And maybe you're a believer, but you're a, a little far away. You've str- Come back to him today. Bring him the greatest glory that you can with your life, and that's proclaiming him as Lord over you. So let's bow our heads, and I'm just going to say if today you are wanting to say for the first time, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Savior. I want you to slip a hand up. No one needs to see, but I'm going to pray for you. Or you don't even have to do that. I can tell you this. Just pray it in your heart. Come up afterwards, though, if it's a real first time, and I'll talk with you. We'll, we'll rejoice together. But let's pray together for what God is doing in this room. Not just for you, but in this room. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. And we ask that you would finish the work that you've began today and the people that have arrived today in this time and moment. That they, like Peter, would would realize you, would wake up and realize you're right there and that we would run to you, Lord, today. And ask you for forgiveness. And to ask you into our hearts. And to set us free. To pay for our sin. Cover it up, Lord. Let us see how you see us, Lord. And walk out of here as freedom, free people, men and women, that would walk in your power and strength. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in this town and really what you're doing in each individual home here. Continue to bless them, Lord. Give them what they need and let us be the light that attracts and draws all men unto yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll take a quick seat, we're getting ready to have a, a baptism. Let me just tell you something here. We're a little crazy. Uh, we think that heaven rejoices when somebody says yes to Jesus. We also think this is like the Super Bowl, kind of like your favorite team winning. And whenever somebody has a final uh, a baptism, they go, we just shout up, stand up, and act crazy. You know, does anybody need a cowbell and a thingy and a, a finger? Just however you want to do it. All right. Let's, Pastor Tyler. All righty. Well, I have Bud Norton here. And I love this because not only on Resurrection Sunday, the greatest symbolism of going down being buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life through baptism, but also what we were sharing back there, he was sharing with me. He said, I've I've been working with horses my whole life. My body's been broken, bruised up, but I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. So right there, no matter what happens to our bodies, can't take that away. So Mr. Buck Norton, are you excited that you have asked Jesus into your heart? Yes. Are you excited to be baptized on this day? Yes. All righty. Well, it is my honor and privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ, raised to walk and do this life with Him. Good job. Well, um, we've got more in the second service. We're just so thankful. Can I just tell you, if you've never had your, uh, offered yourself to make a public profession through baptism, you know, you don't even have to go to this church. We just believe that it's the greatest gospel message without words. It's the death, burial, and resurrection, which happens through baptism. All right, one more time. Stand up. Look around. Tell somebody Jesus loves you. Yeah.
All right, you're dismissed. God bless everybody.